Welcome to the Wildflower Bee Farm Podcast. I'm Hank Sveck. This podcast is about helping you uh, learn and understand the different trials and tribulations of converting a 50-acre farm back to nature in a honeybee sanctuary and how we struggle to continue to be servant beekeepers. Here's this week's episode. Welcome to this week's podcast. And as we wind down the growing season, I wanted to go through and summarize for you the 10 different things I've learned about servant beekeeping since we started the project to convert our 50 acres back to nature because everything's connected, everything's combined. So I'm going to go through each one and, and talk a little bit about it. I hope I don't bore you, but I just wanted to give you an outline of what I've learned and hopefully it'll help you with your better understanding of what we're doing, but maybe it'll help you understand as you work with your bees as well. And they're somewhat in an order of importance, at least the first few, um, and then it just gets into all the others that I've learned. The first is habitat. One of the first things I noticed when we started the project was that how the bees appreciated the different wildflowers we had on the farm and their ability to access them. And I became more vigilant in looking around the countryside to see, okay, if not but for our farm, where would these bees go and find food and pollen and all the things they need? And there really isn't very much out there. So what I've learned is habitat on our 50 acres is key and a diversity of habitat. So everything from clovers to thistle, don't forget, Love thistle. Thistle love is very important. Um, And all of the different types of trees that provide uh, really early season pollen, in some cases nectar, are are vital to the survival of bees. So the first has to do with habitat. The second, and I learned this when we had our difficult time a few years ago, is diversity of genetics when you start. It's important when you, um, you know, start to create your own local strain of bees that you give them a chance to sort of implement all of the different benefits from each of the different strains that are out there. So we went from just having one genetic strain when we started the project, um, and then I got lazy and I didn't split them that one spring, the survivors, which is something you desperately need to do in the first few years of the Darwinian black bee box technique. You need to provide different genetics. So when we started to restarted the project again, we had the traditional combo um, bees that were local bees uh, from BLB honey, and they were extremely hardy. Uh, now we're going into our third winter. We still have four of those original 10 hives that we have split numerous times. They're a combination of uh, Buckfest and Carney, I'm told. And then when we start restarted the project, I also got Saskatraz bees, Carnies, and um, what I what I call um, you know Zavo bees uh, from um, Guelph. And so we had basically four different strains of bees that were allowed to interact obviously because you can't stop them so genetics were very important and i think that's probably one of the keystones of this habitat and genetics and also uh, you'll find it throughout the literature we don't treat for mites any longer we stopped after the first year Uh, and that's the recommendation of the experts who've been doing this for a very long time the third strategy i learned 
as far as servant beekeeping is the construction of the home for the bees. It really doesn't matter a lot if you're going to provide a log house or top bar. I have some worry and that's pretty classic. What's extremely important is the inside moisture blanket that I leave in all year because bees, and this is another thing I learned, bees in the winter die from moisture not cold usually in our climate. So outside of that moisture blanket, our experience has been it really doesn't matter. We have bees survive in log, you know, our log um, hives. We have bees in the uh, horizontal hives. The Warre hive now, we'll see, this is the first year we're bringing bees into the winter. We have four Warre hives. And then, of course, Langstroth of various sizes, from a five-frame nuke, believe it or not, that survives the winter. They all did but one last year, which is incredible. To five, and then another five on top nuke. They all survived. And then a traditional single deep. Uh, we have a couple of double mediums, which are fairly small. And then we have a, just a few, I'd say probably four, where we have a deep with a medium on top. And what we do with that strategy is we then take the, the, the medium in the next spring, if they survive, and use it to split right away. So smaller hives, and the science tells us that too, and we've been fortunate, also makes a difference. The uh, keystone, or the important part of servant beekeeping, is to learn by watching. So we try to learn as much as we can about each hive by watching the entrances, watching the behavior of the bees, going in and cracking open the hive um, in a very minimal way. Because remember, when you crack open the hive, it makes the bees have to go in and look at propolis again, seal it up, plus they get more anxious. And that's a significant, significant issue. Um, the next, swarming is a good thing. And, and that's just self-explanatory. That's how bees reproduce. It's important. I remember years ago when we started, before we started this project, many of the swarms uh, would swarm to the ground. Because um, I think they just forgot how to. They just didn't know how to do it anymore. The next is we don't feed our bees my opinion is, I know it sounds brutal, but bees have to learn. Now, we don't take honey as, as some do where you're actually depleting the hive. So if you leave bees or take a little bit of honey to share early in the season, they should have in, in our habitat significant amounts of opportunity to collect nectar and create honey. So we do not feed our bees because we think, and I think, as a servant beekeeper, you're not helping them. It's comparable to never stop taking care of your own children. If you do that, how are they ever going to learn to take care of themselves? The, I think the most, one of the most significant things I learned had to do with one hive year equals 500 human years with regard to evolution. And so over the course of three or four years, we're talking 2,000 years of human evolution, which causes all kinds of changes we've noticed have, have happened to humans and also obviously will happen to bees. And that's encouraging. It's encouraging that while the bees have such rapid evolutionary capacity, it does not appear that rural mites and other pests have similar abilities 
to adapt, learn, and pass that on to the next generation. Also, as a servant beekeeper, we understand and learn about neuroplasticity, where when honeybees learn new behaviors, it becomes part of their DNA, if you will, part of their hardwiring, which they can then pass on to next generations. And they do that through the creation of royal jelly. And also when they pass on food between each other, and there is science that supports the RNA acquisition by honeybees from bee to bee, which then causes changes in their, if you will, the switching of different genetic markers. I won't get into all of that because I'm still trying to understand it, but that's an important finding. And if you add that to the previous notion that one year of a beehive is 500 human years, you can understand why in two or three years your beehives can learn to adapt and pass on those changes to the next generation so you can create a local strain of bees wherever you may be. Those are, That's really the list uh, I've gone through. I've combined some I know. That's about 10 different things I've learned as a servant beekeeper. Habitat key. So before you put bees anywhere, make sure you have a look and see, you know, if you're that bee, what are you going to eat today? Where are you going to go to eat and live? I'm Hank for the Wildflower Bee Farm. Look forward to talking to you again next time. To learn more about how honeybees can help you in your investing and personal life, go to investlikeahoneybee.com. There you'll learn how listening to the honeybees helped us in so many ways and can help you. Investlikeahoneybee.com